Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen. I'm Katie. You got into the toffee again, didn't you? What? No, I was, I was, stung by bees. Hold on. Reducio. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's definitely better. There was no way I was going to make it to the rolling rehash like that. Last week, we covered Chapter 2, The Scar, and Chapter 3, The Invitation, because there were no corresponding film scenes, which really defeated the entire purpose of this podcast, but nevertheless, we just kept rolling. We took our yearly trip to the Department of Backstory, and while Sirius was free but still in hiding, Harry was back to being stuck in his own Dursley-shaped prison. However, this year, Harry had his dogfather-shaped leverage, an army of junk food delivery owls, and an ever-growing talent for sass to make the summer more tolerable. Aunt Petunia force-fed her family food that was as sour as her disposition. Mrs. Weasley was due some change from the Royal Mail Service, but would settle for another child to dote on for a few weeks. The only thing worse than Dudley on his birthday is Dudley on a diet. And Uncle Vernon has no idea how much he's going to regret not telling Harry to take the bus. During episode 65, read them all, all of the times, our Potter pondering was, since chapters 2, The Scar, and 3, The Invitation, were completely left out of the Goblet of Fire film, was there anything from them in specific that you really wished you could have seen on screen? Juliana said Chapter 2 had a lot of exposition, so she understands why it was left out. But she would have enjoyed watching the interaction with Uncle Vernon in Chapter 3. Imagine Mina Lima creating Mrs. Weasley's letter. It would have been good to include his scar hurting for later books, but she understands why it was left out. Carly just really wanted to see the Weasleys bust into the house. That part, as far as imagery, was amazing the first time she read it. She feels like the movies leave out so much good Fred and George stuff. Mm -hmm. This would have been an amazing opportunity to show it. Jackson agrees that all the exposition of Chapter 2 wasn't really necessary, but Chapter 3 should have gone ahead. It would have only added like 10 minutes to the movie. He especially would love to see two things. Vernon losing his shit over the letter, and Pigwidgeon whizzing around the room. He loved how in the book it said Hedwig was glaring at the little owl, as if daring it to come any closer. Quincy actually wrote us the screenplay for how it could have gone down. Harry wakes up in a cold sweat. He's in bed looking scared and confused. He rushes over to his desk and begins to write to Sirius as the sun is coming up. You can hear a voiceover of everything that he's writing. He finishes writing and heads downstairs. As he goes into the kitchen, he hears Petunia and Dudley arguing about the grapefruit breakfast. She's begging him to eat it, and as he finally gives in, the doorbell rings and Uncle Vernon goes to the door. The whole scene with the mailman happens. Vernon comes and tells Harry to get his scrawny ass into the living room, and the whole back and forth happens. And when Harry serves Uncle Vernon his ass on a platter, he skips his happy ass back up to his room to enjoy his stale birthday cake. Honestly, Molly couldn't send some jerky or something that wouldn't go bad so quickly? He gets to the room and boom, Pig is darting all over the place. Could have added a scene where he ducked out of the way and everything. So, he's saying it was very possible to get these scenes right. But, 
The fucktard of a director was lazy and desecrated the source material by refusing to read the books properly. He took the magic from what could have been, and we got some choppy-ass montage instead. Wow, telling it like it is. (laughs) He also said, zero out of ten, do not recommend. Quincy, don't approve. Read the books instead. Read them all, all of the times. Mm Mm-hmm. Our trivia question last week was, what does Crookshanks enjoy chasing at the Weasley house? When Harry asks Hermione where Crookshanks is, she says she expects he's out in the garden because he likes chasing the garden gnomes. Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. This week, he was able to get to the question before anyone else. Hilariously, Max did stay up late to answer the question and completely forgot why he was up. (laughs) So he says, Mm -hmm. could just be an excuse since Mike beat him to it. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Yeah, will Max remember? Will Mike still be faster? Will Quincy come out of retirement? Will Dave make a comeback? Or will someone else show up for the win? We shall see. Mm Mm-hmm. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 4, Back to the Burrow, and Chapter 5, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Chapter 4, Back to the Burrow Harry is ready by noon the next day. He has his invisibility cloak, his broomstick, and the Marauder's Map, all packed. He has checked for any forgotten spellbooks or quills, and he has taken down the calendar counting down the days until his return to Hogwarts. The atmosphere in the Dursleys' house is very tense. When Harry told Uncle Vernon that the Weasleys would be picking him up the very next day, he had looked downright alarmed. Uncle Vernon hopes that the Weasleys will dress in normal clothes, which makes Harry feel nervous since Mr. and Mrs. Weasley usually wear long and sometimes shabby robes. Uncle Vernon puts on his best suit to look impressive and intimidating. Dudley looks smaller, though it's not because his diet has started working. The last time he had met a fully grown wizard, he ended up with a curly pig's tail which had to be removed at a private hospital, so he keeps nervously running his hand over his backside. The tension in the house is so great that Dudley doesn't even complain about the meager lunch of cottage cheese and celery, and Aunt Petunia doesn't even eat, though she does seem to be chewing her tongue. Uncle Vernon asks if they will be driving, and Harry is unsure, but tells him that he thinks they will be. Uncle Vernon usually asks what kind of car a person drives because he likes to judge men by how big and expensive their cars are, but Harry doesn't even think that a Ferrari would get Uncle Vernon to like Mr. Weasley. He spends the afternoon in his room annoyed by Aunt Petunia constantly looking out through the curtains and comes back down to the living room at quarter to five. Aunt Petunia is straightening the cushions, Uncle Vernon is pretending to read the paper, and Dudley is sitting in an armchair protecting his bottom with both hands. Harry can't take the tension in the room, so he sits in the stairs in the hallway, checking his watch with his heart racing with excitement and nerves. Five o'clock came and went, and Uncle Vernon peers outside, sweating, and when he shuts the door, growls at Harry that they're late. Harry says that maybe traffic is bad, but begins to get as anxious as the Dursleys as the time continues to pass. He hears his aunt and uncle talking in the next room about how the Weasleys are inconsiderate. He hears his aunt and uncle talking in the next room about how the Weasleys are inconsiderate, and maybe they think they will be invited to dinner if they're late. Uncle Vernon gets up, starts pacing the room, and says that they will pick up the boy and leave, that their kind probably don't care about punctuality or drive a tin pot car. 
Harry then hears Uncle Vernon let out a loud yell as the three Dursleys panic in the next room and Dudley runs out looking terrified. Harry goes into the living room and hears loud banging noises coming from the boarded-up fireplace, followed by the voices of Fred, George, and Mr. Weasley. They're pounding on the boards and shouting for Harry to see if he can let them out. Uncle Vernon angrily turns on Harry, demanding to know what is going on, and Harry tries not to laugh as he tells him that they've tried to get there by flu powder, but the fireplace is blocked. He goes to the fireplace and asks if Mr. Weasley can hear him. The banging stops and Harry tells him that the fireplace is blocked because they have an electric fire, so they will not be able to get out that way. Mr. Weasley is very excited about the idea of a fire with a plug, but is saying they need to think when Ron joins them in the crammed up space. Ron asks if something has gone wrong, and the twins sarcastically tell him no, they wanted to be there. Mr. Weasley explains that he's trying to think of what to do. He asks Harry to stand back, and Uncle Vernon moves forward, demanding to know what he's going to do. But he doesn't finish his sentence before there's a loud bang. The electric fireplace flies across the room, and the four Weasleys who were jammed in the boarded-up space climb out of the rubble. A shrieking Aunt Petunia falls over the coffee table, and Uncle Vernon catches her, staring at the group of red-haired Weasleys now in their living room. Mr. Weasley dusts himself off and introduces himself to Harry's aunt and uncle, who back away, both speechless and covered in dust. He looks over his shoulder and apologizes, saying it's all his fault, and starts talking about the flu network and muggle fireplaces and his connections, and says he'll start a fire to send the boys back and repair the damage before he disapparates. Aunt Petunia is hiding behind Uncle Vernon, who's still gaping at Mr. Weasley, and Harry guesses that they probably had not understood anything that was just said. Mr. Weasley then says hello to Harry and asks if he's ready. Harry tells him that his trunk's upstairs and Fred and George say they will get it, hoping to see Dudley since they heard a lot about him from Harry. Mr. Weasley compliments the Dursleys' home, trying to break the awkward silence, but they do not take the compliment well since their usually spotless living room is currently covered in dust and littered with debris. Mr. Weasley looks all around at the muggle things and proudly says that he knows all about ecotricity, that he collects plugs and batteries, and that his wife thinks he's mad for it. Uncle Vernon moves slightly to the right, shielding Aunt Petunia even more, clearly agreeing that he's mad. Harry then hears the sound of his trunk clunking down the stairs, and Dudley reappears in the living room, edging along the wall and staring scared at Mr. Weasley before trying but failing to hide behind his parents. Still trying to make small talk, Mr. Weasley asks Harry if that's his cousin, and Harry confirms that he is Dudley. Concerned by his odd behavior, Mr. Weasley gently asks Dudley if he's having a nice holiday, but Dudley only whimpers in reply and grasps more tightly to his backside. Fred and George re-enter the room with Harry's trunk and crack identical evil grins when they see Dudley. Mr. Weasley says it's time to go, uses his wand to light the fireplace, and pulls out a small drawstring bag from his robes. He throws a pinch of powder from the bag into the flames, turning them a bright emerald green, and tells Fred to go. Fred starts to move towards the fireplace when a bag of brightly wrapped toffees falls out of his pocket. He gathers up the spilled candy and steps into the fireplace smiling, says the burrow, and whooshes away, causing Aunt Petunia to gasp. He's followed by George with Harry's trunk and then Ron. Harry looks at the Dursleys and says an easy, bye then, before moving towards the fireplace, but the Dursleys don't respond. Mr. Weasley stops Harry and reminds the Dursleys that they will not see their nephew until next summer, and they surely want to say goodbye. Uncle Vernon eyes Mr. Weasley's wand and gives a very grudging bye then. 
Harry steps into the warm green flames, but before he leaves, he hears Aunt Petunia scream at a gagging sound. He turns around, sees Dudley on his knees with a foot-long purple thing hanging from his mouth before he realizes that it's Dudley's tongue and there's a bright toffee wrapper on the floor next to him. Mr. Weasley has to shout to be heard over Uncle Vernon's yelling as Aunt Petunia frantically pulls at the thing in Dudley's mouth, making him sputter even more. With his wand out, he advances on Dudley, causing Aunt Petunia to protectively throw herself on her son. Mr. Weasley said it's an easy fix, the toffee was a practical joke, and that he thinks it's a simple engorgement charm. This causes the Dursleys to panic more. Aunt Petunia is still pulling on Dudley's tongue, half suffocating him, and Uncle Vernon starts hurling things at Mr. Weasley, who shouts that he's trying to help. He tells Harry to just go, that he will sort it out. Harry wants to stay and watch, but the second ornament that Uncle Vernon threw almost hits him, so he shouts the burrow. The last thing Harry sees is a third ornament being blasted out of Uncle Vernon's hand by Mr. Weasley. Aunt Petunia still screaming and on top of Dudley, who still has a giant tongue hanging from his mouth, before everything spins into a whirl of green flames. Chapter 5. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes Harry spins faster and faster, fireplaces rushing by, and begins to feel sick until he finally feels himself slowing down. He throws out his hands to stop himself from falling forward out of the Weasley's kitchen fireplace and is helped up by Fred, who excitedly asks Harry if he ate it. Harry tells him that Dudley did and wonders what it was. Fred explains that it was a ton-tongue toffee that he and George had invented, saying they had been looking for someone to test it on all summer. The kitchen explodes with the sound of laughter, and Harry sees Ron and George at the table with two red-haired people he had never seen before though he knows they must be the eldest Weasley children, Bill and Charlie. The nearer of the two, shorter and stockier like the twins, reaches out his hand and Harry feels calluses and blisters, so he guesses this must be Charlie, who works with dragons in Romania. Bill gets up to shake Harry's hand as well, and is not what Harry had imagined. Since Harry knows that Bill works for Gringotts and had been head boy at Hogwarts, he had imagined him to be an older version of Percy. Instead... Bill had a ponytail and a fang earring, dragonhide boots, and was just cool. A popping noise interrupts the group, and Mr. Weasley appears next to George, looking very angry. He yells at Fred for giving the muggle boy the candy, knowing he did it on purpose. George interrupts his father, asking how big his tongue got, and Mr. Weasley said it got to four feet before his parents let him shrink it, which causes Harry and the Weasleys to burst back into laughter. Mr. Weasley shouts again that it isn't funny, and that it is bad for wizard-muggle relations, especially since he fights against muggle mistreatment. Harry agrees, but Mr. Weasley says that is not the point, and to wait until he tells their mother, when Mrs. Weasley comes into the kitchen and asks what he's going to tell her. She spots Harry and smiles, saying hello, before turning back to Mr. Weasley, asking him again what it is he's going to tell her. Mr. Weasley hesitates, not actually wanting to tell her, and the kitchen is silent while he looks at his wife until Hermione and Ginny walk in behind Mrs. Weasley and smile at Harry, who smiles back, causing Ginny to blush. Mrs. Weasley again asks what, and when she learns it has to do with the twins, she angrily wonders if it has to do with Weasley's wizard wheezes. Hermione interrupts and pointedly tells Ron that he should show Harry to where he will be sleeping, saying they can all go. 
Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny all make their way upstairs, and Harry asks what the Weasley's wizard wheezes are, causing Ron and Ginny to laugh, but not Hermione. Ron tells him about the order forms his mom found for all kinds of joke products that the twins invented, that they had been planning on selling the stuff at Hogwarts. But pretty much everything was a bit dangerous, so Mrs. Weasley had told them that they couldn't make any more and burned the order forms. Ron also says that she was already mad at them because they hadn't gotten as many OWLs as she had expected. Ginny says there was a big fight because Mrs. Weasley wants them to go into the Ministry of Magic like their father, but they just want to open a joke shop. A door on the landing opens and Percy pokes his head out to complain that he is trying to work, and all the noise is making it difficult to concentrate. Ron sarcastically apologizes, and the two brothers argue a bit before Percy slams his door, and they continue on their way up to Ron's room, still hearing loud shouting coming from the kitchen. They reach Ron's room that looks much the same, except for the frog in the tank that used to hold frog spawn, and the fact that Scabbers the rat isn't there anymore. Instead, Ron's small gray owl is twittering loudly in his cage, prompting Ron to say, Shut up, pig! Harry asks Ron why he is calling the owl Pig, and Ginny tells him that he is being stupid, because his proper name is Pigwidgeon. Ron thinks Pigwidgeon is a stupid name, but Ginny named him and now the owl won't respond to anything else, so he's Pig. He pretends to be annoyed by the owl, but Harry doesn't take Ron seriously, though, because he used to complain about his old rat all the time, but was very upset when he thought Hermione's cat had eaten him. Harry asks Hermione where Crookshanks is, and she says he is probably in the garden chasing gnomes. He comments on how Percy seems to be enjoying work, and Ron tells him that he is obsessed, especially with his boss, Mr. Crouch. Hermione asks after Harry's summer, and he tells her the cakes were a lifesaver. Ron begins to ask about Sirius, but is stopped by a look from Hermione, since Ginny is there and looks very curiously between the two. Hermione covers the awkwardness by saying that the arguing has stopped, and why don't they go help Mrs. Weasley with dinner? The four of them make their way back down to the kitchen, where a very grumpy Mrs. Weasley tells them that they will be eating in the garden since there isn't enough room for eleven people in the kitchen. She has the four of them take out plates and silverware and makes a mess in the kitchen as she mutters about the twins and their future while she cooks. She accidentally grabs one of the twins' fake wands and yells some more. Ron grabs a bunch of cutlery, and he and Harry make their escape to help Bill and Charlie. When they get to the backyard, they see Crookshanks chasing a gnome, and Bill and Charlie making two old tables fly and slam into each other, trying to knock the other down for everyone's entertainment, except Percy's, who yells out of his window for them to keep it down. Bill says sorry with a grin, then asks how the cauldron bottoms are coming. Percy says very badly and slams his window shut. The oldest Weasley brothers set down the tables, and Bill repairs the broken one before they set them. At seven o'clock, the nine Weasleys and Harry and Hermione sit down to Mrs. Weasley's excellent cooking under a clear evening sky. This is a feast for Harry, who had been eating increasingly stale cake all summer, and he listens without saying much as he helps himself to all of the food. Percy talks about his report and his boss, Mr. Crouch, and mentions Ludo Bagman, Mr. Weasley interrupts to say that he likes Ludo, who had gotten him the tickets to the World Cup since he had helped his brother out of some trouble about a lawnmower with unnatural powers. Percy says that Bagman is likable, but he doesn't understand how he became head of department when compared to Mr. Crouch. He brings up a woman named Bertha Jorkins, who had been missing for over a month now. 
Mr. Weasley said he had asked Ludo about that, and he said that Bertha has gotten lost before. Percy says that he has heard Bertha is hopeless, but adds on that Mr. Crouch has taken a personal interest, despite enough on his plate, especially the big top-secret event after the World Cup. Ron says that Percy has been trying to get them to ask what the event is since he started the job. In the middle of the table, Mrs. Weasley is fussing over Bill's earring and hair, and next to her, Fred, George, and Charlie are all talking about the World Cup. Charlie says Ireland will win, but Fred says Bulgaria has Victor Crumb. Harry is regretting his isolation in the Muggle world, and eagerly asks what happened to England when Charlie mentions that their game was an embarrassment. Quidditch is a huge part of Harry's life. He has been seeker for the Gryffindor-Quidditch team since his first year, and flying is the most natural part of the wizarding world for him. It is beginning to get dark, and Mr. Weasley lights candles as everyone is enjoying homemade strawberry ice cream. Ron looks around the table and sees that everyone else is talking, and quietly leans and asks Harry if he has heard from Sirius. Harry tells him that he has heard from him twice, and that he had written to Sirius yesterday, so he might get something while he's there. This made Harry think of why he had written the letter in the first place, and he thinks about telling Ron and Hermione about his scar hurting again, but decides not to right now, when he is feeling so happy and peaceful. His thoughts are interrupted when Mrs. Weasley looks at the watch and says that they should all be in bed now, since they have to be up at the crack of dawn to get to the World Cup. She tells Harry to leave his school list out for her, and she will pick up everything in Diagon Alley when she picks up everyone else's things, since the last World Cup went on for five days, and there might not be time after the game. Harry hopes this game lasts five days as well, and Percy says he certainly does not, and he shudders at the thought of what his inbox would look like after five days away from work. Fred says someone might put dragon dung in it again, and Percy angrily says that that had been a fertilizer sample from Norway and it was nothing personal. Fred whispers to Harry that it was. He and George had sent it. We have a teensy trip to the Department of Backstory, as Chapter 4 starts out reminding us of all of Harry's prized possessions, the cloak he inherited from his father, the broomstick he got from Sirius, and the enchanted map of Hogwarts from Fred and George, that he'd completely packed by 12 o'clock the next day. Then he just had to deal with the five hours of torture from waiting impatiently for the Weasleys to pick him up. Which was a very tense wait. Mm -hmm. The Dursleys were very uptight and irritable. Bag of Assholes was concerned that they weren't going to be dressed appropriately, and he had put on his own best suit in order to look impressive and intimidating. That tracks. For right? <laughs> like, that just tracks for them. He's a formal bag of assholes. He's <laughs> Black tie bag of assholes. Black tie bag of assholes. Meanwhile, Dudley's just scared out of his mind, because the last time he met a wizard, he ended up with a pig's tail. So he just keeps running his hands over his butt and keeps walking sideways from room to room to avoid presenting it to the enemy. I just would love to see that. Right? <laughs> just like a little crab shuffle through each right? room. <laughs> hands clamped over his ass. Exactly. Their nerves were so high that they ate their lunch of cottage cheese and celery in silence without even a complaint from Dudley. Until Bag of Assholes asks Harry if they're arriving in a car. Harry says that he thinks so and notes that his uncle, who normally judges people by their car, didn't even bother to ask what kind Mr. Weasley drove. But he doubted he'd take to him even if he drove a Ferrari. Yeah. 
This is also tracking. I mean, it's pretty spot on. <laughs> Harry spent the afternoon in his bedroom, but at quarter till five, he headed downstairs to find handbag of assholes compulsively straightening cushions, while bag of assholes pretends to read the paper. Backpack of assholes is sitting in a chair with his hands clamped firmly around his butt. Unable to take the tension, Harry moves to the hall and sits on the stairs. Even if they had just started this scene. Right? With Harry sitting on the stairs waiting. Yeah. We could have figured it out. Right? It would have been worth it. Five o'clock comes and goes, and Harry is starting to feel anxious himself. The satchels of assholes go on about how inconsiderate they are for being late and wonder if they think they'll be invited for dinner if they are. Though, bag of assholes insists that they certainly won't be, and thinks that maybe they've even mistaken the day. But then, before he can get too far into his rant about their kind, he breaks off into a scream and they hear loud noises coming from behind the boarded up fireplace. And then voices going on about a mistake and asking if maybe Harry can hear them. <laughs> the satchels of assholes are livid! And round on Harry, asking what is going on. Harry tries to explain that they tried to get there by flu powder. Where, you know, you travel by fire. But they've blocked the fireplace. He calls out to Mr. Weasley that it's blocked up since they have an electric fire. As Ron arrives and further crowds the Weasleys in the blocked up fireplace, Mr. Weasley tells Harry to stand back. Bag of assholes freaks out and rushes forward to protest, but with a loud bang, the boarded up fireplace bursts forward with a lot of rubble, and he just ends up covered in white dust. Oh, I would have paid to see this. I know. Holy the money. shit. Honestly. It just, the imagery is amazing. Like, I he's know. got this really nice suit on, and it just gets covered in dust. And I love the description about the, the white dust settling in his hair and making him appear as though he's aged. Mm-hmm. Which really, let's face it, he probably did age as oh, yeah. well from from that happening. That totally took at least five years <laughs> off his life. Right? <laughs> Darn. Aw, boo. <laughs> Mr. Weasley greets the Dursleys enthusiastically and apologizes about the blasted fireplace, telling them that he has a contact at the flu regulation panel that connected them just for the afternoon, even though muggle fireplaces aren't supposed to be connected. He says he'll fix it after he sends the boys back and just disapparate. This, of course, just leaves the Dursleys completely dumbstruck, and Mr. Weasley addresses Harry instead, asking if he has his trunk packed. Harry says that his trunk is upstairs, and Fred and George offer to get it, and Harry knows that they are hoping to get a glimpse of Dudley, since they'd heard a lot about him from Harry. Tee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> I can't wait to get to this part. We're almost there. <laughs> I feel some mischief a-coming. Right? <laughs> While they wait, Mr. Weasley excitedly looks around at all of the muggle things and awkwardly compliments their house. He rambles a bit, telling them about his collection of plugs and batteries, mentioning that his wife thinks he's mad, but there you are. <laughs> and Bag of Assholes clearly agrees with Molly and thinks he's mad as well, <laughs> and moves over slightly to block his wife from view. Dudley appears a moment later, clearly startled out of the kitchen by the sounds of Harry's trunk clunking down the stairs. And in this moment, he tries and fails to hide behind his parents. Mm-hmm. So, interesting imagery. Can you just see Vernon's face, like, getting redder and redder underneath all that white dust that's collected? Like, I can just Purpler. see it. 
Yes. Purpler and purpler. I feel like, you know, he's just going through like every color of the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see like all the veins sticking out of his head. Right. And just, oh my God. Eyes oh. bugging. Oh, we needed you know, this. You know those noises that Richard Griffiths makes? <laughs> right? Just a hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Just. <laughs> what the devil are you doing? Like, oh, yes. God. Oh, oh, that would have been amazing. Would have loved it. But Mr. Weasley attempts to make more conversation, asking Harry if that's his cousin, and then asking after Dudley's holiday after Harry confirms that it is. But Dudley just whimpers and clutches his backside harder, <laughs> which kind of like concerns Mr. Weasley. I said, like, what, what, is what wrong Mr. With Weasley this must kid? have thought in that moment, <laughs> right? Like, is that a? Do you is, need the bathroom? Yeah, is that a thing Muggles do? Y'all are kind of weird. Just saying. <laughs> Freaks. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. At this point, the Weasley twins return with Harry's trunk, and Mr. Weasley relights the fire with incendio, then tosses a pinch of powder from a drawstring bag onto the flames, turning them emerald green. He tells Fred to go through, who starts to move towards the fireplace, but stops when a bag of sweets spills out of his pockets, and toffees go everywhere. He scrambles to pick them all up. Yes. All of them. He picks all of them up. <laughs> oh, yes. And he scrambled. I'm sure he was really nervous about leaving any behind. Concerned. Very concerned. Very much. <laughs> very concerned about leaving one behind. <laughs> yes. Heaven forbid. Golly gee willikers. But then he goes through the fire, followed by George and Harry's trunk, then Ron. Harry says bye to the Dursleys and the satchels of assholes don't respond. Shocker prompting Mr. Weasley to remind them that Harry said bye, and they won't be seeing him until next summer. Bag of assholes gives a very resentful goodbye, then, and Harry starts to leave. Only starts to leave, though. Mm -hmm. He doesn't actually leave yet, yeah. because he's distracted by a gagging and sputtering sound coming from Dudley, who's <laughs> choking on his own tongue that has grown to be a foot long and apparently turned purple. Ew. There's an empty toffee wrapper laying on the floor next to him. <gasps> oh, no. I'm scandalized. <laughs> Where in the world did he get that toffee from? Where did that come from? Oh, my stars. Oh, my stars. <laughs> it's like he dropped them on purpose. What? It's like he purposely left one behind. I thought he was scrambling to pick them all up, but he must have missed one. He must have. Oh, my stars. What a silly little Weasley boy. <laughs> what a silly little Weasley boy. Yep, <laughs> indeed. Oh, my God. So then Handbag of Assholes lunges at him and makes his choking worse as she tries to pull his tongue from his mouth and Bag of Assholes... Sorry. Just... I can... Just the imagery there. I can like, see... Fiona Shaw doing this. Why? I can see. Why would they have not included this? Ugh. I just imagine Fiona Shaw putting one of her feet against Dudley's chest <laughs> and like grabbing his tongue and just pushing just with her foot pulling. and yanking. Yeah. Oh and my like, God. Oh my God. It would have been amazing. How could they have thought? What made them read the book and go, eh, we don't need we this. We don't need this. Like how? What, Honestly. What, did you just like, I don't know skip over those chapters there's yeah. no way that you read that and thought this doesn't need to go in the movie seriously like okay so take in sorcerer's stone philosopher's stone the moment where dudley realizes he has a pig's tail 
Look at Harry Melling's face in that, and then just imagine that face with a foot-long tongue coming out of it. Up to a four-foot-long tongue. Yes, exactly. Up to four feet. There's no way you don't laugh at that. Come on. It would have been hysterical. Oh, my stars. I can't believe they left that out. Oh, my stars. It's a crime. I tell you, it's a crime. Well, I never... I don't know why we've turned into old Southern women in this episode, but... Because because the audacity of the leaving audacity, out... Of leaving out... The audacity this... of leaving this scene out has just gotten our panties in a bunch. <laughs> I was going to say it makes us clutch our pearls, but okay. Pearl clutching panties in a bunch. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway. I'm, a, I'm just going to roll right on on that one. Let's just keep rolling. Oh, man. But at this point, so Mr. Weasley has to shout to be heard, trying to explain that he thinks it's an engorgement charm and he can fix it, saying his son Fred is a real practical joker. He's just a real practical joker, that Fred. He's a pip. Tell you what. (laughs) However, this news just makes the Dursleys panic more for some reason. I mean... Especially the I think it's an engorgement charm. (laughs) Probably didn't do much to assuage their fears. Real vote of confidence there. Yeah. So, bag of assholes just starts throwing things at Mr. Weasley. Sure, like you do. That'll solve the problem. Yeah, when someone's trying to help you out, of course. And Mr. Weasley just tells Harry to go, he'll sort things out. (laughs) Harry doesn't want to miss the fun, but then is (laughs) narrowly missed by an ornament that his uncle threw and decides maybe it is best to leave. Get out of the line of fire. Probably a good call, yeah. So he steps in the fire, and the last thing that he sees is Mr. Weasley blasting yet another ornament out of Vernon's hands, and his aunt screaming over Dudley, whose tongue is lolling around like a slimy green python. So now apparently his tongue has gone from purple to green. That's that's so gross. (laughs) It's amazing, though. It's It's amazing. We were so bilked. Oh my gosh, we really were. I don't think I can forgive them for this. You know, there are things that we continuously bring up. This is Peeves-level treachery. I was just going to say that. This is like Peeves-level bullshittery on the cutting room floor. Like, I can't forgive for that one. Or forget, for that matter. Never forgive. Never forget. (laughs) Never forget. (laughs) Damn you. Curse you, David Yates! Curse you, David Yates! Mm, Yates! Read the damn books. I think I'm just going to start saying that whenever. Read the damn room. Everybody (laughs) wanted this scene. There's not a person in this world who'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we didn't need that. That sounds boring. No. Let's not. Nobody's ever said that because it's not a thing people say. It's just not. Anyway, moving on. In chapter five, Harry is traveling by flu powder until he arrives at the Weasleys and throws out his hands just in time to avoid falling face forward into their kitchen. He's greeted by Fred, who immediately asks if he ate it. Did he eat it? Did he eat it? Did he eat it? Yes, yes, he did eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Harry confirms that he did and asks what it was, learning that it was a ton-tongue toffee invented by Fred and George. Apparently, they'd been looking for someone to test them on all summer, and who better than an (laughs) unwittingly muggle bully that was on a diet? Yep. A true backpack of assholes. Who better Mm. than a true backpack of assholes, indeed. 
The kitchen explodes with laughter, and Harry looks over at the kitchen table to see Ron and George sitting with two other red-haired people that Harry hadn't met before but knew immediately were the eldest Weasley brothers, Bill and Charlie. The brother that was nearest to Harry shook his hand, and Harry immediately knew it had to be Charlie based on the calluses and blisters on his hands, because he works with dragons. He was built like the twins, shorter and stockier than Ron or Percy. Unless you were watching the movie, well, in which case, we never see Charlie at all. No. In any way, shape, or form, ever. Do you need to remind me of this? Like, every time? we I just got past the whole missing flu powder scene, and now we gotta no. talk about Charlie not being there, too? Damn I'm it. telling you, this is up there, too. It really is. It's up there. We need it, I mean, Charlie. admittedly, it's not as bad as Peeves. No. But I love me the Weasleys. Right? And we got bilked of Charlie. We did. It's just sad that we never got to meet him. Like, I was super excited for this movie because I thought he would be in it. And then he fucking wasn't. And it just sucked. They're like, nah, we can have dragons without Charlie. Yeah, no big he deal. Just, he literally existed in name only. Yeah. And it was sad. And I didn't like it. Boo. It was sad. Boo! <laughs> Boo this director! Boo! I mean, we also didn't get Bill in this moment. True. Yeah, because we don't get Bill until shit, the eighth, the seventh movie, rather. We got no Bill. Sixth? No. Well, I guess, no, we didn't even see him in the sixth. No. He just showed up as if he had been in that battle, but they never showed us. He was never there, at least not in the movie. He was there. It, like He, he was he there made, in spirit. The scars were courtesy of Greyback, and where else would he have met Greyback? But, bleh. I mean... Why include details? That's just silly. And all of a sudden, he'll be, like, fucking engaged to Fleur, and for no goddamn reason... How did reason, they meet? Where did that come from? <laughs> it really did seem to just come out of fucking Magic. Field. Yeah. There's your bam magic moment for that one. Right? Anyway, we digress. A little bit. We were talking about Bill. True, yes, we were. <laughs> when Bill got to his feet to shake Harry's hand, Harry was somewhat surprised. Since he knew Bill worked at Gringotts Bank, he had been expecting him to basically be an older version of Percy. However, Bill was actually cool. Unlike Percy. Entirely unlike Percy. <laughs> he was tall with long hair tied back in a ponytail, a fang earring, and clothes that wouldn't have looked out of place at a rock concert. Unlike Percy. <laughs> who wouldn't have clothes that would work at a rock concert and would also just not really work at a rock concert. Right? It'd be way too loud for him to do his cauldron bottom report. Percy wouldn't even fit in at a rock concert if he was wearing Bill's clothes. <laughs> That's how un-Percy Bill is. There we go. If that made any sense. <laughs> yeah, it did, actually. Yay! Go me. <laughs> Unlike Percy. Well, yes, there we go. <laughs> Before any more could be said, Mr. Weasley apparates in, looking extremely angry and asking what Fred gave that muggle boy. Fred insists that he didn't give him anything. He dropped it, and it was Dudley's fault that he ate it. He never told him to. My stars! I just dropped it! He I ate just it! dropped it! Oh, that poor boy! <laughs> I never meant for that to happen! Oh, no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this Southern Bell thing is killing me. <laughs> Guess what the episode's gonna be called? <laughs> Oh, my stars. <laughs> oh, my stars. <laughs> oh, I 
bless his little heart, that little hungry boy must have just been dying for some candy. Imagine that. Imagine that. Those wacky Weasleys. Mr. Weasley starts yelling that he dropped it on purpose. What? Right? And knew that he'd eat it since he was on a diet. But George interrupts to ask how big his tongue got. Because, you know, you gotta have the important information, right? Right. Priorities. Of course, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Weasley said it got to be four feet long before they would let him shrink it. And everyone started cracking up. Except, of course, for Mr. Weasley, who didn't think it was funny and is appalled that his own sons would mistreat muggles after all his campaigning for wizard-muggle relations. My own son! My own boys! Oh! Well, I never. It's as though I haven't taught you anything at all, boys. Except Fred and George claimed that they didn't give it to him for being a muggle. Mm -hmm. They targeted him because he's a bullying git. Which? He is a backpack of assholes. Facts. Truth. Harry confirms that to be the case. Mm -hmm. But Mr. Weasley is still angry and says, that isn't the point. Wait until he tells their mother. <laughs> and of course... It's at this moment that Mrs. Weasley enters the kitchen, wondering what he needs to tell her. She is nothing if not the perfectionist of entering the room at the right time. Right. I will say that much. And I love how she does the thing. This reminds me of the way they filmed it in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. When she was alternating between yelling at the boys. Yes. Oh, Harry's so lovely to see you. Because she's just like, what do you need to tell me? Hi, Harry. Yeah. And then again, tell me what. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how I picture that. And it would have been fun to see that again. Right. I kind of think of the role reversal, too, because I was just thinking with them asking how big Dudley's tongue got, the part where Mr. Weasley asks how the car how did it yeah, go. How did it go? How the car ride went. <laughs> I'd bet you anything if Mr. Weasley hadn't been so concerned about muggle wizard relations he would have found it fucking hilarious oh yeah oh no doubt i bet you there's even a little part of him inside that was like holy shit it actually worked well i'll be damned well, what do you know they might have a thing here guys right <laughs> but anyway so molly's all like tell me what arthur and it becomes very clear that mr weasley never actually intended to tell her <laughs> Which was probably smart on his part. Molly connects the what to Fred and George. And Usually is. says it better not have anything to do with the Weasley's wizard wheezes. <laughs> and the rest of the kids make their escape under the pretense of Ron showing Harry where he's sleeping. I love the moment where Ron's just like, he already knows where he's sleeping. And Hermione's just like, no, yeah. he doesn't. We should all go see it, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Ron, I forget how to go up the stairs. Come show me. Hello? Is your room the one all the way on the very, very top? Or is it one of the floors before that? <laughs> Why don't we go see? So I can find out for sure. Lead me the way, please. <laughs> now. The twins try to go too, but Mrs. Weasley snarls at them to stay. Which I kind of imagine them like trying to sneak off. And Mrs. Weasley just grabbing them by the back of their necks, like, nope, you're not going anywhere. No, Hermione's completely like, no, show Harry where he's sleeping. We can all go. And George <laughs> is just like, yes, we'll come too. Yeah. 
Oh no, and you Mrs. won't. Weasley's just like, hell no. <laughs> exactly. You gonna stay right here? You in trouble. We've got some talking to do, sweetheart. <laughs> so Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny edge their way out of the kitchen, and Harry asks what Weasley's wizard wheezes are. Ron and Ginny both laugh, though Hermione does not. Ron quietly explains that his mom found a stack of order forms for the joke stuff that the twins had invented. It was all a bit dangerous, so their mom forbade them to make any more and burnt all the order forms. She was already mad at them for not getting enough OWLs, and they had a big row over it. Their conversation about it disrupts Percy, who looks out of his bedroom door to see what the noise is. Ron gives him a hard time about his report on cauldron bottom thickness, then continues upstairs, leading the way to his room as Percy slams his door again. Ron's room looked mostly the same as it had the last time Harry stayed there, but there was no scabbers anymore. Because he was a man! <gasps> a man?! Oh my stars! Oh my stars, he was a man! Instead, the little gray owl that had delivered Ron's letter to Harry was hopping up and down and twittering madly. Ron says, shut up, pig, and Harry wonders why he's calling the owl pig. Ginny explains that it's because he's being stupid. Its proper name is Pigwidgeon. Ron says that Ginny named him, and he doesn't like it, but now he won't answer to anything else. Mm. He pretends to be annoyed about the bird, but Harry knows better. Yeah, I think he's just glad to have a pet that doesn't turn into a man. A, a man? man. <laughs> At least as far as he knows this time. I mean, Crookshanks approved. True, so. yeah. So, hey. We're trusting Crookshanks now. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> Speaking of Crookshanks, Harry then asks Hermione where Crookshanks is, and she tells him she expects he's out in the garden because he likes chasing the gnomes. Which was our trivia question. It was indeed. Harry comments on Percy's apparent enjoyment of work, and Ron says that he's obsessed, especially with his boss, Mr. Crouch. I love this part because he's just like, it's Mr. Crouch this and Mr. Crouch that and Mr. Crouch and Mr. Crouch. They'll be <laughs> announcing their engagement any day. <laughs> Hermione asks if Harry had a good summer and got their food parcels and everything. And Ron starts to ask if he had heard from Sirius. But Hermione silences him with a look since Ginny was right there. She seemed pretty curious about who Harry might have heard from. But Hermione covered the moment by saying the arguing seems to have stopped and they should go to help Mrs. Weasley with dinner. Ginny probably thought he was a girl. A girl. It was like green-eyed Ginny just being like, wait, what? Yeah. What'd you say? Who, huh? who did you hear from? Who's this bitch? Who do I need to use the bat bogey hex on? Yeah. <laughs> I'll cut a bitch. Don't make me cut a bitch. I will cut a bitch. What bitch am I cutting? I will hit her over the head with a broomstick. <laughs> When they get down there, Mrs. Weasley was still in a bad mood, but told them they were eating in the garden, since there wasn't enough room for all of them in the kitchen. She grumbles about the twins' lack of ambition while she continues to prep dinner, losing it a bit when she accidentally grabs one of their fake wands. Which, can I just say, like, they have so much ambition. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're inventing jokes and, and these practical gags and fucking, they're inventing food. Well, we know she comes around, but... But yeah, I know, but it's just... She obviously didn't think it was going to go anywhere at first. Yeah. It's just funny that she talks about a lack of ambition, when, like, ambition's exactly what they've got. If anything, they could have been Slytherin. Right? 
I mean, I'd have loved to see a Weasley in some green robes. Just saying. That red hair and green robes looks great together. I feel like Slytherin deserved that, Mm -hmm. actually. I mean, I know there's something nice about having all of the Weasleys in the same house, and they're definitely brave. Yeah. But they are ambitious, and they're cunning, and they're... They're sarcastic. They're... Yeah. And they totally deserved... Slytherins totally deserve good people in their house. Thank you. You're welcome. I really appreciate that coming from you. I'm, I'm kind of kind of surprised, but... Hmm. I feel a little happier now with my life. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how much of my happiness was hung up on how you felt about the Weasleys being in Slytherin, but apparently it was a big thing. Who knew? <laughs> but sorting hat choices aside... Molly grabs one of their fake wands and kind of loses her shit a little bit, which is pretty understandable because she was already in a mood, so that did not help. But Harry and Ron head outside to help Bill and Charlie, and they came across Crookshanks, who was indeed chasing a gnome. And in the garden, Bill and Charlie were making two old tables battle each other in the air. Until Percy pokes his head out the window and again complains about the noise. (laughs) Bill apologizes and asks how the cauldron bottoms are coming, to which Percy says badly and then slams his window shut. If I didn't know any better, I would think he didn't actually care about the cauldron bottoms. What? What? (laughs) But then the two brothers lower the tables and Bill magically repairs the damage done and conjures tablecloths from nowhere. By 7 p.m., dinner was on the tables and everyone was eating Mrs. Weasley's excellent cooking because Molly Weasley is mom goals. That's just how it is. Yeah. Facts. Mom goals and cooking goals, for sure. Percy is telling his father all about his report and mentions Ludo Bagman, causing Arthur to express his fondness for him, saying that he was the one who got them such good tickets for the cup, since he had smoothed over an issue with his brother Otto over a lawnmower with unnatural powers. Percy calls Bagman likable enough, but thinks that he's pretty incompetent, especially when compared to Mr. Crouch. I kind of love the fact that Percy's not wrong. Yeah. And we will see that later. Oh, yeah. But at the time, it's just Percy looking crazy obsessed with his boss. It just comes off as, yeah, as Percy being psychotic. Yeah. (laughs) Percy also mentions how he couldn't see Mr. Crouch losing a member of their department. And says that Bertha Jorkins has been missing for over a month. And this is also a fun little clue, since it's not the first time we read her name in this story. It is not. Mr. Weasley has asked Ludo about that, and says that he's insisted that she's gotten lost plenty of times before now. Percy does say that she's hopeless, mentioning that Mr. Crouch is taking a personal interest since she worked for his department once. But they already have a lot on their plate, especially with the other big top secret event they have to organize right after the World Cup. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. (laughs) Ron actually rolls his eyes at this comment and mutters to Harry and Hermione about how Percy's been dropping hints about it since he started work. But he just thinks it's something to do with cauldrons. Right. You just know that Percy's like just dying. He's dying for them to ask. Well, I, and I don't even think he wants to tell him. I think he wants to be able to say, I can't tell you it's top secret. Yeah, he doesn't want to tell him at all. He'll take that secret to his grave. He just wants to be able to tell them he can't tell them. Right. That's right. all it is. Yeah. <laughs> at the other end of the table, Mrs. Weasley is arguing with Bill about his long hair and fang earring, though Ginny says she likes it. She also calls Molly old fashioned. 
I mean, I feel like... If the shoe fits. Yeah, but I also feel like that's parent and child right there, you know? Right. It's pretty... It's pretty on par with the age. Yeah. With Ginny's age, that is. You know, seeing your parents as old. Oh, you're so old-fashioned, Mom. Oh, I just meant the Mrs. Weasley arguing with Bill about having hair too long. Oh, well, that too. I mean, if Bill's hair looked anything like the twins' hair does in the movie... It might have been a little too long. But if it's longer than that and in a ponytail, that's also a different story. Right. I think it entirely depends on the length of the hair and how it is kept. And how well they can pull off a ponytail. Yes. But next to Mrs. Weasley and Bill and Ginny, we've got Charlie, Fred, and George talking about the cup. Charlie is sure that Ireland is going to win, but Fred points out that Bulgaria has Victor Crumb. Wonder if that name's important. Hmm. Charlie says that Crumb's only one decent player and Ireland has seven. But then he also mentions wishing England got through. And they didn't because they lost horribly and embarrassingly to Transylvania 390 to 10. That's pretty fucking embarrassing. That's like maybe don't ever show your face on the Quidditch pitch again. Embarrassing. If Quidditch didn't have such strict rules, that would be like mercy forfeit at at a certain point (laughs) that's me just going oh dear god can we just stop this now (laughs) here's where we get another brief visit to the department of backstory when we're reminded that harry plays on the gryffindor quidditch team as the seeker yeah he hates being separate from the wizarding world because he doesn't get to really keep up on the quidditch matches Mm mm-hmm which i can see that yeah I wonder if they play the commentary for the matches on the radio or something. Huh. Interesting. I feel like they must, but... Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, it's starting to get dark out, so Mr. Weasley conjures candles to light the garden before they eat homemade strawberry ice cream for dessert. Ron quietly asks Harry if he's heard from Sirius lately, and Harry tells him and Hermione that he's gotten two letters from him. This also reminds him about his dream, and he considers telling them about it, but decides he doesn't want to worry them. I can see why they wouldn't bother including something like this in the film. We already yeah. know about the dream. like that. But all of the other fun, magical things. Like, Could you imagine getting to see two tables fighting in midair? And... Right. I don't... Well, that, that and just seeing more of the interaction between the Weasleys would just make my day. Right. Like... Just that camaraderie between brothers and... Actually meeting Bill and Charlie. Actually, yes, definitely actually meeting Bill and Charlie. Getting to see more of Hermione and Ginny together, too. Yeah, and seeing how, like, Molly dotes over Bill and Charlie, but is still, like, super critical, because it's still their mom, you know? That she is. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally see that. But then Mrs. Weasley checks the time and tells them that they better head to bed since they have an early start the next day to get to the cup. She tells Harry to leave his school list out, saying she'll get his stuff for them all while they're gone, since there might not be time after the World Cup. The last one went on for five days. That's insane to me. That's insane. And I know because when we did the Quidditch episode with Diana, we Mm -hmm. read Quidditch Through the Ages and they mentioned that they bring in alternates. To keep yeah. playing. Like, the game doesn't stop. So the audience yeah. just, like, is what there. sleeps in the stands? Like... Yeah. I don't know, dude. That, that seems intense. 
like camping. <laughs> I was <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that dedicated to anything <laughs> where I would stay there for five days straight. I just don't know. And I love Harry Potter and I would sit through a five hour long movie. But I mean, even when we did our weekend that yeah. ended up spawning this podcast. Yeah, we still slept. I was going to say, we still took breaks. We watched a few movies. We slept. We watched a few more. <laughs> yeah. We slept. <laughs> Apparently, Harry is crazier than we are because he hopes this one ends up going for five days. That's fucking nuts. But Percy is against this idea because he worries about the state of his entree if he were to be away for five days. Fred agrees, saying someone might slip dragon dung in it again. And Percy claims that was a sample of fertilizer from Norway and not anything personal. Then Fred whispers to Harry that it was personal. He and George sent it. <laughs> God, why didn't we get to see this? Those wacky Weasleys. Why? <sighs> why were we deprived of the wacky Weasleys on film? Because they hate us. Rude. They hate the fandom. They don't want us to be happy. This is why we can't have nice things. Apparently. Because all of this didn't make it into the films, we don't get to see Julie Walters as Molly Weasley. Sad. She's just got completely written out. She has another scene in the book, but... Yeah, shit, she wasn't, she wasn't there at all. They're just completely... Sons of bitches! Ugh. Yates! Urgh. We do get to see Mr. Weasley, but we'll talk about him next episode because we actually see him. Yeah, exactly. We also don't get to see Bill or Charlie... Like, at least Bill got officially cast later on, but Charlie did not, as we mentioned earlier. And that's yep. just some bullshit. Not even a little bit. Not even a cameo. Charlie who? Nothing. Yeah. Only a name. Ugh. I love all of the memes where people photoshopped in Ed Sheeran. Yes. <laughs> that always cracked me up. That's my head cannon. Yeah. Charlie Weasley <laughs> is Ed Sheeran. I like it. I'm down with it. <laughs> this will bring us to our Potter pondering. Since chapters four and five were, yet again, not present in the movie at all, we were wondering if there was anything about them in specific that you wish had been included. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. We really look forward to reading them. And now for our Sorting Hat story from our new patron, Mike Riley. He writes... So, I have to admit that I redid my Patronus, etc., because I wasn't a big fan of my results the first time around. And I figured, hey, if it's canon that you're allowed to choose your house, why can't I redo it? Anyway, second time around I got Hufflepuff as my house, again, which I was surprised to hear, but not entirely disappointed, especially since the common room is right next to the kitchens. Priorities. Right? Gotta have them. My wand is chestnut wood with a phoenix feather core, 12 and a half inches, unyielding flexibility. Not sure what that says about me, but it sounds alright. And my Patronus, the second time around, was a Borzoi, which I was all for because it was a dog. And then I looked it up and now I am less satisfied. In my head it always seemed to me like a Patronus should be something at least mildly protective, largish, able to scare off Dementors anyway. Kind of like when Harry pictured a big Hagrid-like guy with a club when Lupin first told him about the concept. Except still an animal. So like a dragon or a hippogriff or a lion. It seems like people don't usually get that type of creature on Pottermore though, so in my head my Patronus is still undecided. As for how I got into Harry Potter, I'm not a thousand percent sure. 
I was always really into reading, but Harry Potter was definitely one of the first series I read. I imagine my mom probably grabbed it from chapters after asking one of the people who work there what would be good for people who like fantasy, etc. I was pretty young when I first read the book. It came out when I was three, but I probably started the series when I was closer to six or seven. I remember reading the first book with my mom. Like, she would read it to me, but I would also read over her shoulder, so I often got to the end of the page first. At the end of The Philosopher's Stone, I read the title of the second chapter. I think it was called The Man with Two Faces. And I refused to read that one for like two weeks because it sounded super scary. And then after we finally read it and finished the book, I think I just took Chamber of Secrets to read on my own because I wanted to read faster than we were going. Altogether, I must have read each book of the series at least five times. More for the earlier ones because I would reread the whole series anytime a new book came out. Harry Potter wasn't the only book series I was into when I was young, but it was definitely a big part of my life and a huge part of the reason I'm such a huge book nerd now. It was a great starter series and I absolutely plan to pass it on if and when I have kids of my own. Aw, thanks for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Mike. Finally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I had to beg him for it for like weeks. Yeah, he was dragging his feet a little bit. I liked it, though. I'm glad we finally got yeah, to hear it. That's a good one. Sure. Even if you don't know where you specifically picked it up from, you still have a great story yeah. of how you fell in love. And I exactly. love that. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might like to share with us. You can also just message it to us on social media. And now, the moment that I know several people skip ahead to, (laughs) the trivia question. How long did Fred and George spend developing the tongue Toffees? The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word, hashtag Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. In addition to getting you some extra perks, like Just Keep Rolling swag, patron-only Facebook groups, virtual meetups, bonus content, and more, your patronage also helps us to continue producing this podcast, our cooking show, and bringing more content your way. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, monthly blooper reels, vlogs, and other random videos. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 6, The Port Key, and some finally corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep keep rolling. rolling.